0: Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. You sounded good this morning. Um, I have to apologize in advance as I start today. Um, This might not flow perfectly with the rest of the series. Um, This is uh, uh, something where Pastor Derek uh, told me I get to teach whatever I want since it's my last Sunday. Um, Not as much sarcastic applause as I thought there would be for that, by the way, so good job. Uh, You guys are nicer than probably the second service crowd. No, um, he told me I get to teach whatever I want today, and, uh, and so I, I said, okay, I want to teach something that I think all Wisconsiners um, could benefit from, so uh, let's get our lesson started. Uh, can we go to the first slide? Okay, this word is bake. That is the long vowel A sound, bake. Next slide. That word is Bag bag. It's a short A sound. Bag. Okay, everybody say bag. bag. All right, I'm done teaching. No, I'm kidding. For those of you who don't get that, if you're not in Wisconsin watched online, you'd have to come visit one time. You'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. No, I have, uh, be- before I say anything else, I, I want to say this. I have loved living in Wisconsin. I have loved the people here my wife and I have been loved on by the people here, and uh, we appreciate every single one of you. Um, so, before I get started, I just want to say thank you. God bless you. Uh, I love this family of people. Um, you're a wonderful group, and I'm excited for your future. So, uh, with 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 that out of the way, now I can actually teach. Um, I wanted to teach today um, on something that, that is very personal for me. Um, it's, it's the issue that I have likely spent more time struggling with than any other part of my Christian walk, and it's something I still struggle with on a more or less daily basis, um, and that is the issue of just being sick and tired of being a Christian. Um, so today I'm being a little bit vulnerable with you and, and telling you that. I get sick and tired of being a Christian. I just do. Um, and you're like, whoa, why is this guy teaching today? We'll get there. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to try and teach you how to be a Christian today. But I'm being honest with you. Um, this is the thing that I have dealt with the most, just being weary of being a Christian. And I think that a lot of people deal with it and just kind of sweep it under the rug and say, oh, you know, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, and you're not doing good. You go home after Sunday service, and you go into your daily life and you find yourself losing your temper with your children and your spouse, you find yourself breaking the speed limit every chance you get, um, you find yourself doing as little work as possible on days when the boss isn't around. No, it's just me? Okay. Derek, you didn't hear that, did you? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but seriously, you, you, you're, if you're anything like me, You struggle with a lot of these things and you're like, this doesn't seem like the Christian life. It seems like I'm bad at it. And then when I do good at it, it really wears me out. Um, It wears me down a lot. Um, I'm going to quote some old movies today, so bear with me. Uh, Anybody in here ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, you know the one. Okay. So, uh, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen it, you're 50 years late, but um, I feel like I'm allowed to say stuff at this point. So, the main character, okay, he's this guy who's just got this heart of gold who keeps doing the right thing, but everybody else is succeeding and he gets stuck holding the bag because he's the good guy doing the good things. Everybody else gets to go off to college. He has to make sure the family business doesn't get run into the ground. You know, he takes care of this little town and doesn't give up uh, his shares to the, the really bad guy, the super rich guy, Mr. Potter, when he could have sold out and just been rich the rest of his life and had it nice. He didn't. He wanted to do the right thing. And you just watch as it wears him down, doing the right thing over and over and over. It exasperates him to the point where he's ready to give up. And then something bad happens on top of that. And it kind of wrecks his, his whole outlook on life. And sadly, I largely identify with that. Um, and it's because I think I have a broken idea of what a Christian life looks like. And I think a lot of us do. I think a lot of us assume that we're going to um, invite Christ into our life. And then from there, well, we're going to do good and, and try and do better. And we're forgiven for the things that we don't do well, but just keep trying, and we'll get there, right? And honestly, when I read some parts of the Bible, it kind of backs up that. So um, let's look at Galatians 6. I'm actually going to preach in the Bible. It's not just all my opinions today. Uh, Galatians 6 um, and and verse 9. And honestly, the reason that I'm teaching out of Galatians today, I should be transparent with that. Um, For those of you who don't know, I'm leaving. I'm going to. Uh, take a lead pastor position uh, down in Knoxville, Illinois. And um, I was putting together my sermon map for uh, teaching there once we get there. And right out of the gates, it was really tempting for me to just use a lot of lessons I've taught before that I know kind of uh, line up with the things that I want to be able to teach and and just kind of use my repertoire or whatever you want to call it uh, of lessons that I've built up. And I found myself doing that and going, "Hold on, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be leading a new group of people, and I haven't even really taken the time to pray about what I'm going to teach them, and and maybe do some work instead of just using the things I already know, and let God lead me in that." And I got super convicted about that, like, "What are you doing, man?" And then I pray about it, and God says, "Okay." Uh, he leads me towards the book of Galatians and says, I want you to preach it from beginning to end. And I'm like, oh boy, people are going to love me. I'm just going to go in there and really creative title series, Galatians. Um, but that's what I'm going to do because I feel like that's what God's leading me to do. And so I was looking at this, and this particular part hit me because it's so about this thing we're talking about. And so here's what it says. You've probably heard it before. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's actually a lot right there. Just that one verse, there's a lot. Let us not grow weary of doing good. The reason he says, let us not grow weary of doing good, is because people grow weary of doing good. You don't have to tell somebody to keep doing something they love doing, right? No one has to say, let us keep eating ice cream. (laughs) I'm going to keep eating ice cream. You don't have to tell me that. But let us not grow weary of doing good. The reason he's having to say that is because we grow weary of doing good. For in due season, hello, for in due season, that means there's waiting involved. I don't like that. I really don't like that because I'm not patient. We will reap if we do not give up. Again, the fact that he says, if we do not give up, what does that tell you? He's saying some people are going to give up. Some people are going to give up. Wow, that's not encouraging because I do grow weary of doing good and it's going to be a while and I have to not give up. That's tough. That's really tough. And the reason he has to command it is he knows it's going to be tough. He has to say, it's, I'm commanding you to not grow weary because you're going to grow weary. So what kind of things is he talking about not growing weary of? Well, let's read a little bit farther in. Galatians 6, 9, now we're going into 10. Can I see 10? Pew, there it is. These guys are so good. Let us not grow weary and good if we do not give up. Oh, so then, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Think about that as we have opportunity. How often do you have opportunity to be good to people? Yeah, you guys are seeing the scope of this. It's like all the time, especially if you're looking for the opportunities, right? Now, if you're ignoring the opportunities on purpose because you're busy, yeah, it's not as much, but if we're being honest with ourselves, those opportunities are all around us. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. So i got to even be nicer to you guys, apparently. I owe some apologies. No. Um, okay, so I'm not supposed to grow weary in that. I'm. I'm again, maybe, there, maybe everybody out in the audience today doesn't need to hear this, because you are great at this. For me, I look at that and go, fail every single day. I get an F every single day because the people who are the household of faith, I fail the worst at that one because they live in my house. I'm just being honest. I have the hardest time with the people that I spend the most time around because I get used to them and I take them for granted. I'm not even nice to them, let alone the person at McDonald's that dares to get my order wrong because I'm so important and I paid $5 for that, so it better be quality, right? Right? And this is my attitude that I go through life with on a regular basis, and I find myself really failing at that. And then the flip side is when I get it right, I get so exasperated so quick. I did something good. Where's my reward? I was nice to a person. I was patient. I didn't blow my lid at my wife today. Shouldn't she be worshiping me right now? A lot of people are like, the married people are like, That's not the way it works, bro. Uh Uh-uh. No. They don't know that you didn't blow your lid. They're so happy that they didn't blow their lid at you. You get so exasperated so quick trying to do the right things. And this has been kind of my story. For those of you who don't know my story, I did grow up in a Christian household. Um, So when people ask me when was I saved, uh, okay, I was saved at the age of 7, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 20 and 25. That's just the reality of it. Um, It wasn't just one moment. It it was a continual going back and going, oh yeah, I'm kind of a dirtbag, I need Jesus again because I didn't do it right, and I'll do it all over again. And and, and trying to do good in the middle, and it's just not working, and realizing it's not working. I, I kept growing weary. I kept failing at that specific thing. And... It, it, it just it, it wore me down often. It still wears me down sometimes when I'm not thinking right. And uh, I end up uh, feeling like, okay, now I'm really going to show how I like old movies. Anybody ever seen the, the old musical showboat? Yeah, if you're a 100 years old, it was probably cool when you were a teenager. Um, so there's this song, "Old Man River" in it, right? And it's this kind of famous song. And the last line is this killer line. It's so like, whoa, it makes you stop and kind of think for a second. And this guy has this sweet voice or he's in bass, and I just can't do it, so I'm not going to even try. Um, but he says, I get weary and sick of trying. I'm tired of living, but I'm scared of dying. But Old Man River just keeps rolling along. And I'm, I'm sad to say that, that I've spent a lot of my Christian life feeling that way. I get sick of trying to do good, and I'm just like, well, God, we had the altar experience. I've been trying, but honestly, let's just get this over with because I'm not good at this. And I don't actually want that to happen, but I just feel like I'm failing all the time. And if I look a little bit deeper in the Scripture, I'm going to find a little bit more. But first, let's read the rest of Galatians In that section, I'm going to go back to the beginning, 6, 7 through 10. Ah, here we go. So it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You're like, okay, what does it have to do with this, bro? Well, let me walk you through it a little bit. I get weary and sick of trying oftentimes because who's trying? Me. And how am I trying? By being me. By using my, my gifts, by using my power, whatever it is, by using my abilities, I go through life and I'm trying to be the best Pete possible. And unfortunately, this, I feel like, has been kind of the way that we've done Christian life in America, and and we've kind of bought into this whole thing of have an experience with Jesus, and then do the best that you can do until you die, and then you get to go to heaven, right? Anybody else kind of find that a familiar way of thinking? And, And this is... How I've done things oftentimes, especially in those teen years that I I told you all those ones that I hit on, it's because I kept trying to do things. Pete Cocos kept trying to do things based off of his own skills and his own abilities and his own strengths. And that's okay to use your strengths. I'm not saying don't use them. But I was sowing into my own flesh. You know, we read that and we go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah I get it. Don't, don't sin a whole bunch. Don't sow into just desires. That's not all it means. It means you can't just depend on yourself. You can't sow into, oh, uh, I'm, I'm sold on my ability to do X, Y, or Z, so I'm going to do the best I can at me today because that's my strengths. I'm going to water my strengths a little bit today. You know, how many, how many people have ever done like strengths based testing, personality things and all that, and you, and you realize, okay, hey, my weaknesses are my weaknesses, but I'm going to live based off my strengths. And we get kind of proud of it and go, that's who I am, and I'm going to maximize that. I'm going to invest with that, because that's what God gave me. So I'm going to be the best teacher I can. I'm going to be the best husband I can. I'm going to be the best father I can. I'm going to be the best, all these different things. And we live our life this way, and we get exhausted. And we don't understand why we get exhausted, and we end up failing at these things. And, okay, I'm going to build up my strengths a little bit more. I need to read an article about how to be a better husband. I need to read a a little thing about how to be a better teacher. I need to watch a YouTube video of this guy and take some notes down and grow my strengths even more. And I need to count to ten before I respond in anger to something, and we get all these little things about growing our strengths. And the reality is that was never the plan. It was never supposed to be about your strengths. You're supposed to be sowing into the Spirit. And yet, that's the hardest, I feel like that's the hardest part of the Christian life, because I wake up and I'm like, I'm not. I don't go every day. I wake up. What am I going to do? Am I going to be a Christian or a bad guy? Mm, Bad guy. I don't have that discussion inside internally, but the first thing I do think of typically is, what do I need to do, and how can I use my gifts to get it done? Maybe you're very different than me. And the first thing you do when you wake up is you go, "Thank you, Jesus, for this day. I love you. Let's spend time together." My first thought is what needs to happen today as soon as I open my eyes and how do I get it done? What can Pete do to get it done? What are my skill sets? What's going to be a weakness for me? How can I work with that? How can I control the day? And then I get exasperated and I fail throughout the day and try again tomorrow and try again tomorrow and try again tomorrow and try again tomorrow and try again tomorrow. tomorrow tomorrow. Anybody else ever grown tired of it? Yeah. Okay. Good. <clears throat> uh, I want I want you to think about today. What are you What are you What are you sowing into? My dad is uh, My dad is uh, the head horticulturist at Missouri Botanical Garden, which you've, most of you probably never been there. It's this beautiful, beautiful. It's one of the most respected um, botanical gardens in the entire world, uh, let alone the U.S. And it's there in St. Louis. And he's been there for 30 years now, I think, or something like that, and um, so I grew up with a lot of plants, a lot of plants, Uh, always had a garden. Matter of fact, when I was a teacher in St. Louis, I'd work at the Botanical Garden during the summers, which is a horrible job. Um, They just work you to death. It's wonderful because it's just, it's rewarding, but man, it's hot, and you find out gardening is not fun. And those of you who are like, gardening is fun, you're lying. (laughs) The results of gardening are cool, but the gardening itself is not fun. Because you don't just plant a seed and water it and go, oh, that's cute, and walk away and come back and, yay, fruit, or whatever. No, 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 no. You dig it. You make sure that you have, before you ever even planted, turned the soil and gotten some good stuff in there, and then you get it set right, and then you put the plant in after you dig the hole, and then you got to keep watering. It's not like water once, like you see on those little quick animations. No, 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 no. Somebody's got to go out there and keep watering all the time. Then you got to pull the weeds, continuously pulling the weeds. Those of you who have had a garden know what I'm talking about, going out there every couple days and there's new fresh weeds that grow way faster and way better than your plants. Why? I don't know. Gardening's tough work. It's tough work. And if you give up for even a week in the middle of the summer, what happens? All your work's gone, isn't it? It's toast. It's a continuous job. And I've learned this by watching my dad and, and unfortunately having to do a lot of that tough work too. Gardening is hard work, and they keep using that sowing and reaping thing. It's because they're not saying, you sowed once, you put your seed in, and you go, okay, I'm a Christian now, and then wait till the end of your life and, ha ah, the reward. <laughs> there is hard work along the way. Every day, there's hard work. If you're living a Christian life and it's easy, you're doing it wrong. If you can do it under your own power, you're doing it wrong. So all this, I'm going to live a good life, and I you know, I work at the soup kitchen once a week, none of that's bad. None of that's bad. Do, do good things. But if you're doing good things under your own strength only, you're missing the boat. There's no doubt about it. Because this tells me God's not mocked. If you're living under your own strength, if you're sowing into your own thing, it's not going to work. You have to sow into the Spirit on a daily basis. I'm convinced of this. And this isn't like some new age, Pastor Pete's coming up with here, and, and like you guys need to spend some time in meditation because I'm part of some new... No, no, no. This is an Old Testament concept. Don't believe me? Well, I'll tell you this. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. For those of you who aren't familiar with the book of Isaiah, um, this, is, this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, section of prophecy where he's talked about uh, the coming uh, of Jesus Christ and all these wonderful things. <clears throat> and then he's, he's, he's talking about God in this section. is just awesome. So just follow along with me and, and I'll get where we're going. Don't worry if you're, if you're feeling like, what does this have to do with anything? Just follow along. This is just mind-blowing for me. I love it. he's talking about God. So here he goes. He says, starting in verse 21, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. I like that. He called us grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heaven like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. I want you to notice It's the same idea. He's talking about planting. He's talking about these things that we get excited about, that we are all like, yeah, look at man's strength. He's got a kingdom and all this stuff. And God goes, "By gone. It's gone. Pretty cool. Let me uh, keep going here in verse 25. He says, to whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. God's, God's punishing me and, and all my good stuff isn't getting rewarded the way it should and it's not fair. He's saying, don't, don't forget who you're talking to and how awesome he is. I'm going to keep going. Have you not known? Have you not heard? This is verse 28. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That's the God that I serve. Notice, notice nowhere in here does he say, hey, man, you're, you're going to make it on your own. He flat out says, you're going to grow weary. You're not going to make it. If you depend on you, you're not going to make it. But I got you. If you'll spend time in my presence, I got you. God's got you but you're going to have to spend time in His presence. And if I can encourage you, encourage myself with anything today, encourage all of us, this thing, this living a Christian life, you're not going to make it on your own. I, I look out and I know so many of these people, you have wonderful strength, so many of you. They're not going to make it though. Even the young men grow weary and, and faint. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It it boggles our minds, right? We're told in everything we do, invest in yourself, and that way you'll be able to do more. Invest in yourself, invest in yourself, invest in yourself. If you can watch a 30-minute lesson today, you've learned something, you grew, you're better now. And it's so counterintuitive to say, the best thing I can do this morning is read some scripture and sit in the presence of God and do nothing else. I don't need to learn anything. I don't need to think about my day and plan it all out. I need to sit and be still in the presence of my almighty Father and let him be the one who is living through me today. I will not get anywhere in this life on my own power. You see, the source of strength to live a Christian life is time spent in the presence of God. And it sounds really, really simple. It sounds so simple that it's silly. And so we end up knowing that from the beginning and then doing something totally different. And and I'll go through my work week even as a pastor and and be doing this and this and this and this. And I I know how to teach this lesson. I can do this and I can say that. And I can do all these things and not have stopped and said, God, I need to just be with you today. Because on my own, I'm failing every single day. Remember at the beginning when I said I get an F every single day? Yeah, I get an F every single day on my own. But when I spend time in the presence of God, it changes me. I don't know why it changes me. I don't know how it changes me. I can't explain it to you guys. It doesn't make sense that 30 minutes in the presence of God does more for me than reading an entire book on how to be better to my wife. I can't explain it. All I can tell you is all this stuff that man does, it's gone. But that time in the presence of my eternal Almighty Father changes me. And it's how I'm going to live my life. And I'm encouraging you today if you're tired and you're weary and you're broken down and you feel like it's a wonderful life before the ending and you're so tired of trying to do good and watching all these bad things happen and you're sick and tired of trying to live a Christian life, join the club, man. Join the club and change what you're doing. Here's what I would say. That moment you had with God that made you change your, your eternal life, that made you start thinking differently about how you're going to uh, live your life, that made you st- start trying to do things that are better, have that moment every day. Please don't, please, 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 if I can encourage you in one thing, it's don't think that you arrived as a Christian because you had a moment with God, that you are now all of a sudden just every single day going to automatically be filled with the the Holy Spirit. You have to sow into it. You have to cultivate it. It's work. But man, it's worth it. It's the only thing that's going to get us through. You cannot do it on your own. You have to spend time in the presence of the Almighty Father. That's the only way to live a Christian life. And then, folks, then we cannot grow weary. And in due season, you're going to reap that harvest. Please, anybody watching today, I don't care if you just became a Christian last week or you became a Christian 50 years ago. Please, spend some time in the presence of God this week. Every day. I would love it if you did it every day. I need to do it every day. And when you fail, don't go, oh man, I failed. Bummer, I guess I'm off the train. Do it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Part of me actually understood this better as a teenager than I do now. Remember how I said I got saved every year? Yeah, that's because I understood it better back then. I understood I'm failing at this on my own and I need to have a moment with Jesus. Except for instead of once a year, it should have been once a day. Cultivate it, 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 All the time. And then look for those opportunities to do good. Folks, if you go out looking for opportunities to do good without having spent time in the presence of God, you're going to have completely missed the point of it. And you're going to be doing something that has no power to go with it. I know that sounds like a really oversimplified lesson today. But I'm just giving it to you straight from the Word. You have to sow in the Spirit. You cannot make it on your own. I love you guys. I pray that this is something that for some of you who have been doing it for a long time, you probably already knew this. But if you're anything like me, you forget it on a regular basis and you start doing things your way again and you start getting tired of it and it starts sickening you that you're the good guy all the time. You were never the good guy. You still aren't. You don't have to be. God is. Spend time in his presence. Let him work through you every day. Would you guys just agree with me that that's something that we're going to do is let God work through us, not let us do the work for God? Let God work through you. Invite His Holy Spirit in every day. Spend time in His presence. And when you forget, get right back on it. Man, I hate that there's sometimes that I forget it and then I find myself acting in ways it's like, that's not a, you're a pastor? You're not a pastor. You're a dirt bag. Yeah, that's because I am a dirt bag. I should have woke up and recognized that first and said, God, I need you today because I can't live the way you're asking me to. I can't honor you without you. There is nothing in me who who is good enough to honor you. There's nothing here. The best I have to offer is junk. So I'm going to give it up at the beginning of the day and say, God, I can't do this without you. For me to honor you, I need you. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's true. I'm encouraging you today. Please be a Christian who spends time in the presence of God because you can't be a Christian without that. Hi, baby. What are you doing to cultivate a relationship with God? You can't be a Christian without cultivating a relationship with God. God, I I love you. I'm so grateful for all you've done in my life and for the times that you have just allowed me to learn slowly because I'm a knucklehead that I can't do it on my own God I need you every day I need you I fail when I try to do it on my own even at my best I fail constantly God I love you I want to honor you can you work through me can you can you be part of my life can you be in my heart every day And Lord, I pray that each one of us, as we forget that, when we forget that, because we forget it every day, Lord, that you would remind us. And the first thought wouldn't be, what can I do with my day? My first thought has to be, how can I invite God into my day? Because if I don't, the day's a failure. Lord, I pray that you'd remind me. And thank you, Lord, for the days I invite you and that you do use me. That despite all my failures, God, you still love me. You still willingly died for me. And you still have a plan for me. Thank you, God, for that. Lord, we love you, and we seek to honor you in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.